Hi, I'm Miller, and this is Miller's Game Room Podcast, episode 14. Uh, the big one for it's going to be fantastic today because I've got a lot to talk about a bunch of gaming stuff, um, things about what I've been playing, mainly America 8 DLC, uh, and also I decided to choose for today's topic will be about uh, visual novel localizations that I'd like to see. So that's going to be cool. Uh, everyone, I say tuned and keep listening. Please like, consider leaving likes, comments, subscriptions. Uh, five-star ratings, um, that kind of thing, to your podcast platform of choice, which is going to be awesome. A couple of quick updates. Um, I'm going to start adding timestamps to videos, especially for each section, but also for triggering sections, as well as spoilers, like there's one today about Hogwarts Legacy, just as a heads up, which I will spoil tag, leave the tag for, so you can skip if you aren't able to engage with it, which is fine. I'm also planning to try to start a video series on my main, like, YouTube channel. Um, I'm thinking it'll be about, like, visual recommendations and stuff like that, because I think having that kind of content would be good, and it's kind of something I want to be more passionate about. Like, I love collection videos, I love Nintendo games, and that's what people really like to flock to from what I've seen. But I also want to broaden out and do a few other things, and... One thing that's important is talking about games that people have never heard of before, which is something I've always had an interest in. Like, the comments I got on the video, which um, I really appreciate, by the way, for my 3DS and Switch collections of long lines of, you have good taste. These are games I've never heard of. And it's like, it's why I talk about them. Like, you don't have to play them, but in being able to, like, hear about games that you've not heard of, that you might think, hmm, that's pretty cool, is like that's why I do this, and spread the love of games and encourage people to try them, or at least be open to trying them, which is really cool. And I, I the same when people talk about indie games as well, like, there's so many indie games, no one's gonna be able to, like, know they all exist, so it's important to bring awareness to games that are, go under the radar, even if you're personally not into them, and it's really cool. And so I'm gonna start with the topics, which, um, what I've been playing, which is a second topic, gaming news which is coming first I should have said that the other way around um, and then finally the topic at the end so yeah I hope you enjoy today's uh, little podcast anyway on to the news now um, new video game plus expos next week on the I believe it's the 31st yes it's on the 31st at 3pm GMT and translate to your local time zone so uh that will be interesting, looking forward to that, there'll hopefully be some good stuff there, and I don't really have any predictions, I think I might have talked to predictions last time, but I don't really have any that I can think of off the top of my head, but I probably did them already last time. Um, to start we have, right, to start we have the uh, Mario 8 DLC is now out, so there's Wave 1, which includes the, um, the eight courses Nintendo show, which include Coconut Mall, so Coconut Mall, and uh, Chaco Mountain, the courses from Tour, and I'm going to talk about my impressions of them in the, what I've been playing, because I have played them a bit, but that's a thing, if you have the pass, like, may as well get the pass, um, if you can get it at discount, that'd be good, because uh, the place I got it from was a, um, a UK retailer, and they had it for like, £16.85, which compared to what it goes for on Nintendo Shop is basically a saving of £10, which is worth it. So look around on eShops and stuff before you get it if you haven't already. Uh, next up we have the Switch system update. Version 14.0 was released the other day and it adds two very important things that the Switch should have had since 2017. Folders and Bluetooth improvements allowing usage of the volume buttons on the Bluetooth device, among other things. And with folders, you can put your games into folders, which is so cool. And I'm glad it's finally there. And I was able to sort my folders out and actually put games in more than one folder. So having like VNs in one folder and having them cross genres. So I've got my own little Timmy folder and I can have the VNs in there, that kind of thing, which is cool. So I like that. Um, next up... Um, there's uh, Yuji Hori, the creator of Dragon Quest, actually accepted a Lifetime Achievement Award at their 22nd Games Developers Choice Awards in like, San Francisco on the 23rd of March. 
Um, this award recognises the careers and achievements of a developer who has made an indelible impact on the craft of game development and games as a whole. Yuji Hori accepted the award over video link, and uh, I'll read through what he said, because it's interesting. Hello, Yuji Hori here. Thank you very much for choosing me to receive the prestigious GDC Lifetime Achievement Award. When I was little, I loved to read manga, and throughout middle school and high school, I dreamed of becoming a manga author. In university, I joined the Manga Society, where I drew my own manga, helped professional artists with their manuscripts, and provided illustrations and articles for magazines. Even after graduating from university, I worked for a while as a freelance writer, but then something happened that changed everything, the arrival of the home computer. I first read about computers in a newspaper article, and I was absolutely fascinated with this new invention. I went out and bought one right away. I'd always liked maths too, so I quickly got to grips with my new toy. I taught myself how to code, and started making my own games for fun. It just so happened that Enix, now Square Enix, were running a game programming contest around this time. I put one of my games forward and won. That's how my careers in the games industry started, and it's continued for nearly 40 years now. I won the contest with an action game that I made to amuse myself. However, I was more into adventure games at the time, so that's what I decided to make next. A game where you progress through the stories you play, with murders occurring one after the other. The Portopia serial murder case. In Portopia, the person giving you the what will you do next command prompts is actually the murderer. That twist got me a lot of good reviews and a lot more requests to make new games. One of the fantastic things about computers is their interactive nature. You just have to imagine what a player is going to do and then program the system to react to it. I really enjoyed that kind of systematic storytelling. I also loved RPGs like Wizardry and Ultima, where gameplay followed the rails set down by the story, so I made my own version, Dragon Quest. To me, Dragon Quest was like a manga, with the story unfolding through short conversations. It was like a manga that you could play on your computer. My team and I are currently working on the latest installment to the series, Dragon Quest XII, as well as a lot of other titles. I hope that everyone around the world enjoys them as much as you did Dragon Quest XI. We'll have more announcements for you soon. Also, some people have said that apparently this is hinting at unannounced games, but newsflash, game development studios develop unannounced video games, and a lot of them don't actually make it to the announcement stage for various different reasons, so uh, don't read too much into that. Just saying. Alright, I need to preface this next section because I'm acknowledging the existence of uh, that fucking video game. Uh, just a heads up, this is the Hogwarts Legacy bit, because I haven't talked about it on the podcast, haven't actually stated where I stand, like, here, like I've talked about it on Twitter and other places, and it's like, I haven't put it here, and I don't want to acknowledge it, but I'm going to do it now while it's been uh, brought back to relevance, so um, just a blanket trigger warning for transphobia and a discussion on gender-critical feminism, but no, like, heavy details, because... Like, I've given, like... Like, I'll talk a bit about what they've done, but not in detail, if that makes sense. Because it is triggering and bad, but I'll leave some links in the description. So if people want to read up for themselves, and I encourage you to do so, especially as... Especially if you're, like, not clueless on the whole thing, I would recommend it. Um, So, yeah, the game had a a state of play uh, last week. Sony had the marketing deal, so basically they were... I believe, I think it was signed before, like, Rowling went full-on turf. And, because, yes, something like that, Rowling is a turf, in case anyone didn't know already. That's a, uh, something that more people need to actually uh, know and care about. But, um, yeah, the game was announced, launching this holiday, now coming to Switch with new details, which, um, for the most part, I didn't care for. I was actually off social media the whole evening, because I didn't want to be like, I don't want to just have this... We have this state of play and see all these tweets in my feed now into like even still on YouTube because I kept seeing sites that's like GameStop being like, here's all the news from Hogwarts Legacy. I'm like, fuck off. And yeah, so um, it exists. It's not been cancelled. Its existence was leaked years before its announcement. So developed by Avalanche Software and Warner Bros. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned before, Rowling's a turf. Um, produces regular hate on Twitter. Uh, an anti-trans essay on her own website, which she did in like June of 2020 or something like that, which is basically regurgitating dog whistles, um, attacking legal reforms for trans people in the UK. Uh, Turfs are a cult, shown for their behaviour. Um, there's a currently an ongoing documentary series being put onto YouTube by um, Kaylin Conrad. Um, uh, it's worth 
watching that. It's really long, but it's basically shows it firsthand, and it's very it's very triggering, but it's worth watching. So I'll link the first part in that. There's three parts. There's third part at the time of recording hasn't been uploaded yet, so I'll link to that. Uh, I'll also link to an article that was also on Gamespot that was written the day the state of play went up. Like it was published the day it went up, but it was written for that day by like a trans woman discussing at length about it. Uh, I've lived on Turf Island, so I've seen the harm it's caused firsthand. So including the Bell versus Tavistock case where young people had their access to. Uh, puberty blockers taken away on the NHS, even though it was already pre- prohibitively impossible to access in the first place, whereas if you weren't referred by the age of seven, there's no chance in hell you'll get seen and, and be put on them before be- aging out, which is um, basically state-sanctioned conversion therapy. And then seeing UK politicians actually listen to them. Um, there's all these turf groups do hate conferences, like... At time recording, it, I had actually attended a protest the previous night where a hate group came to my city and they started, well, they do hate and do the counter-protest and it was lovely. 200 people showing up and it was incredible to protest these cunts, basically. Fuck them. And this, that's the kind of action people are taking now because these people here, they're being platformed. And they're being protected, and they're just all sorts of shit. And also, there was a different conference by a different hate group, um, where a video had actually resurfaced where a trans woman faced absolutely horrific abuse. Uh, not going to detail here, but it's basically a cisgender man going to this woman and confidently asserting lots of abusive shit and acting as if he's 100% in the right. And it's just incredibly fucked up. Fuck him. He's a cunt. All these turfs are cunts as well. And also... Oh, God. Yeah, I'm gonna move on from that. But I'll leave links in the description. Because I strongly suggest you read them. Because, like... To quote what was said at the protest last night. Things like trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary people are valid... Turfs get off our turfs. Are my favourite. You're a bunch of wankers. Just chanting that to this conference. They're inside and those cunts just uh, decided to close the window and even get their phone out and film. Even coming out and film as well. And then another person from a hate group, which is notorious already, came and tried to incite violence. And yeah, these people are cunts. And I don't make no apologies for being offensive about them because they're bigots, they're not left-wing, and these are the kind of people that Rowling endorses. And if you buy Hogwarts Legacy, you will be endorsing that, because those are the beliefs that Rowling is promoting, and she embodies, and it has real-world consequences to the point where like, trans people and allies are having to take to the streets to protest these hate groups because the political system enables them, and so does the media, in this country, in the US, and elsewhere. Um, A couple other things, the lead designer of Hogwarts Legacy was also shown to run an anti-social justice YouTube channel, uh, including defences of John Lasseter and Gamergate, which uh, I'm not getting into, but there exists, that was exposed, and apparently Warner Brothers had no issue with it, which is a lot considering that they were Basically saying she didn't, Rowling's entitled to her personal opinions on what she wants to say about things, like something like that. Basically, defending a bigot. And finally, as for the game itself, the the plot was revealed to have a uh, very bad anti-Semitic trope. So, content warning for anti-Semitism briefly. They said, oh, it's about suppressing a goblin rebellion, which um, is anti-Semitic. And this idea of kidnapping children is also anti-Semitic. On a related note, TERFs are also anti-Semitic. And also bigoted in quite many other ways. So, I'm going to end this bit by going, I can't stop you from buying it, but I will judge people for buying it. And I don't care. Like Some people are like, I can't tell you what you're buying, but I'm like, as someone who is very aware of how the harm is impacting human rights more generally, I'm like, 
the very least you can do as someone who's interested in games is not buy a fucking video game. If you want to get it, pick it up a second-hand copy. They will exist. They will go to places like CX, GameStop, you name it. They will be in there. Just pick them up there. Or the other alternative, you can't access that to pirate it. And then just play it quietly, not make a big deal out of it. It's fine to have nostalgia for Harry Potter, but it's also good to acknowledge that I liked what it was in the past, but the creators turned out to be bigger, so I'm not going to support them anymore. So, and that's the, the mature and compassionate approach to taking respect to human rights. So, uh, fuck turfs, trans rights, fuck bigots. Right, that's out of the way. So the episode will be uh, much less tricky for you out, but I'm getting it out there. So, yeah. Moving on to the more positive stuff. Uh, Jack Jan got announced for localization by Broccoli, officially. So they had their first anniversary stream and for their game's release. And they basically were like, oh, it's coming out in English and traditional Chinese. So at the time, there was no details on the publisher. And they confirmed that there'll be an English-Chinese versions, and I'll have the, the original Japanese voices. Um, this is a game by the Tokyo Ghoul creator, and the developer Broccoli made Utapri, uh, Kamigami Toizobi, Galaxy Angel, and some other stuff. Um, the, the story is basically uh, Kisa Tachibana, the protagonist, basically joins an all-boys drama school, but has to pretend to be a girl. It's one of those stories. I did see, more recently, that the Chinese publisher was confirmed to be Game Source Entertainment. They had a post on their website where they basically had updates on titles they picked up. They picked up um, Shurinoverse as well, which is an Otomate VN in Chinese. So these are not English, but it shows it's likely going to come west at some point, which I felt confident with anyway, because it looks like the kind of game that could bring people into the genre, especially if it's like a really like crying game and stuff like that, where it's more plot heavy and emotional. Because, like, especially Axes will go, oh, this game is plot-heavy. I want to localise that. Even though, to be honest, I think Idea Factory will. We also picked up Ethereal Fantasy on Dark from X and putting it out physically on Switch, because that game is digital only on the Switch in English and Japanese. Even though you can get it physically on the Vita in Japan. And that was interesting. We also picked up PF4A 1926 and Amnesia Memories Switch version. So, this company, Game Source Entertainment, will pick up Hakuoki, not Hakuoki, um, Amnesia on Switch. But Idea Factory won't release the Switch version of Amnesia in the West, even though, translation-wise, that's virtually done. Like, obviously there's cost to get it submitted and re-approved, but it's a perfect chance to release it and get a physical copy and maybe gouge interest to release the fan discs here, because there are, like, free fan discs also on Switch that are not released here. Yeah. Um, finally, there's a few more like visual bits which I'll go over. Uh, there were some announcements on the Otomate Western release side for Otome. Um, Kimi wa Yukimani Konegayu is now officially titled Winter's Wish Spirits of Edo in the West. So um, it doesn't start with C, so it won't join the ranks of Café Enchante, Cupid Parasite, Code Realized Garden of Rebirth, the other two Code Realized Fan Discs, Colorex Malice, and Colorex Malice Unlimited. That's six. Um, what's the last one? And then there's also, if you consider B and D, there's like Buster Fellows, Bakamatsu, Renko, Shinzumgumi, and Dairoku. So all those can be like, have a game at the end of the alphabet, not nine massive games at the start. So that's good, purely on that merit alone. And also the game looks great too. Uh, Anonymous Code got dated July 28th for Japan, PS4 and Switch. Long-awaited game, if you're into the end, especially science adventure series, that's a, that's good news. It will likely come west next year, I think, because um, they've been releasing the other games here, like Robotics Notes Elite and Dash came out last year. Uh, Chaos Head No will get released for the first time this year as well, so it makes sense for Anonymous Code to be released next year, which I'm really glad. And finally, um, Prototype have decided to port Summer Pockets Reflection Blue to the PlayStation 4 in Japan, which... Um, Kind of weird because they've not actually done a PS4 port for anything for like almost three years now. I'm guessing because a Switch is much easier to port to, it's the VN handheld, people will buy VNs on there. And also, 
in terms of localizing VNs, releasing on the Switch eShop is much easier than PS4. Like Fatal 12 and Clanad, which were the other two games that Prototype did release in English on the PS4, never got a Western release. Oh, wait, no. They got a Western release, but only in the USA. Literally the USA. It got a release like nowhere else. So it was actually kind of pointless releasing it, to be honest. Like, because it's... I get the perks of digital, because it has its perks, but only releasing the digital shop on two areas on a console that's difficult to kind of change regions for is uh, bad. So it makes sense why they were like, you know what, let's just cut our losses, move to the Switch. It's easier and it's cheaper. It makes sense. Alright, now we're going to talk about what I've been playing and... Um, it's mainly going to be focused on the Mario Kart 8 DLC, the hotly anticipated Wave 1 of 8? No, 6. Well, more content for Mario Kart 8 isn't a bad thing. Uh, so, let's start. I'm going to start with the highlights. So, um, first off, the music's great as always, which is to be expected for Mario Kart. Hot take, but that's true. Um, there are some great courses. Uh... I'll go over some of my favourites. Um, uh, Paris Promenade was quite nice. The aesthetic was really cool. And like the tone as well. And I saw a lot of people have said like doing the last lap backwards is a really cool little twist. And uh, bear in mind I've not played Mario Kart Tour so the Tour courses here are all new to me. Uh, there's Tokyo Blur as well which um, I like the setting which was unique. And the fact that each lap was different. I did kind of find the course a bit meh in terms of actual design, but still one of the better courses. Uh, Ninja Hideaway. I fucking love Ninja Hideaway. Like, it's so non-linear in its approach and design. You can... So many places to choose from. You can either go up or go down. It's a really changing course. The atmosphere, the atmosphere is so cool. You can, like, glide and that. It's so cool. And it's just really unique, and I love it. And it's probably one of the best in America 8 altogether, actually. Especially when you consider like the shortcuts and you if you you've got to play the course multiple times to know the shortcuts and know what route's best for you and it's really cool. Uh there's also like I'm glad to see Coconut Mall back. I liked it overall. Um the only thing that's a bum note for me for, is the fact that the me car boats at the end were replaced with shy guys in cars and they don't move. So that entire part of the course is now really easy. Which is Honestly, like, I don't like it as much. I like even playing Mario Kart on the Wii. It was like, even on the 3DS as well. You could, when you get there, you could even see like you, the Mies in your cars. The very Mies that you have. But you've designed roughly default Mies. And the charm of that is no longer there, sadly. But it's it's still cool to see it back and play it online. Because that course was incredible to play online in Mario Kart Wii. Incredible to play online in Mario Kart 7. Listen to hackers ruin the online. But otherwise, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, other retro courses, uh, Choco Mountain was nice. Um, Sky Garden, I love the atmosphere for that. It's really cool. Um, I can't remember what the other two are. Oh, Stream Ridge and T Toad Circuit, which um, they're all right. Like, they're my least favourite courses, but they're also the two where the, the visual issues that people have pointed out regarding Mario Kart 8 Deluxe DLC is really apparent, like... The grass for Toad Circuit is literally like one texture and it looks really bad, even compared to the 3DS original. The 3DS original has got better textures than Mario Kart 8 DLC, which is pretty bad to be honest. Aside from the sky, like the sky's got the sun effect which is nice, but otherwise it's just a bit... It looks bad and it needs to be fixed basically, it's just yeah. I think Nintendo does need to go over with another patch and just fix it. Just fix those courses and improve the the visuals especially for toad circuit and stream ridge really really need it uh, maybe coconut mall as well but um that's definitely in terms of one of the better courses in terms of the visuals i think the rest of them are fine though but you know courage more and i'm glad to see it and um i'd also like the fact that if you play online even if you don't have a dlc there's still a chance you'll be able to play the courses too which is really cool and right now most people are like selecting the course so you will be able to play the courses if you like get a dlc and play the courses um as for other games i've started steam prison by hunate x this is a narrative game by a different developer so not a tomate and it's basically you like you're a 
a, f- a person that's basically a woman, like, I forgot her name, was, um, you start off in, like, the place called the Heights, which is basically posh society, and then your parents get killed, and she's framed for it, and she gets sent down to the depths, which is basically, eh. It's kind of like, kind of steampunk in terms of its setting, but it's also kind of like classist Victorian Britain. That's kind of what it reminds me of in a way. Like, it's basically like if Code Realize was darker and more steampunk and there's a lot more choices, which is what I'm getting so far. I do like it, but I do need to play more of it. But I think having an Otome game that I like that isn't Biotomate and isn't crap like my horse prints would be cool because there needs to be more of them and... I want to play more Otomi games on the Switch before I start making Otomi recommendations because a lot of mine are only for the Vita and PC, which, um, while they're great platforms, in terms of the most current releases, I'm quite behind, so I want to get through these, like Steam Prison, and try to get a couple of the Otomati ones done and maybe a non-Otomati one as well. As, and there's increasingly a lumber, like, I want to play Jack Chian ASAP when it comes out, for example, so I can play that and then... And if it's good, I'll be like, yeah, play Jack Jan by Broccoli. You might get Utapri if it sells well. Maybe. You can beg. You can try. But you should buy the game. So, yeah. Other games I've been playing. Um, I actually, like, now I've got a TV set up, I can finally dig into console games I missed. And the one I tried the other day was um, Uncharted. So the very first one for the PS3, uh, Drake's Fortune, which is um, a lot better than I expected, actually. Like... I find it interesting playing this game originally released in 2007, like 15 years later, because I can kind of see the building blocks for the kind of Western AAA, like live action, high budget, very fixed and that kind of thing. It was really interesting. Uh, the characters are quite likable as well. Um, the setting as well, like the voice acting is good. And I like how it's a mixture of like action adventure sequences, like the car scenes where they're chasing the car and the boat as well, where you ride on a boat, as well as, like, puzzle sections, where you got to do, basically, parkour to go across ledges or get into a building and stuff like that. And the other section, the shooting sections, which are kind of cool. Like, I've not actually played a big-budget shooter like this for quite some time. Like, I played when I was younger, but partly because I sucked at them, but now it's, like, an adult. It's, like, it's not that difficult, actually. And, yeah, only thing I'm... Like, I don't like it when it's too much, like, shooting and stuff in a row. Like, oh, I've got to fucking stop again to shoot other people. Like, because there's assassins and you've got to go after Nathan, Drake, and the uh, allies, like Elena. And um, it's good. And it's, like, it's interesting that I play it and hope I might finish it. It's not too long and I don't want to overwhelm myself with, like, lots of all, like, text-heavy stuff. Like, I'm playing Stink Present, but unless I move to something else, that will be it for it for now. And get as much of it done as I can early in the year. Because late in the year when Xenoblade 3 comes out. I will be all over that. Basically probably for a few months. Because well, it's a, it'll be a massive game. If all goes well. And I will hopefully love it to pieces. So you know get as much of it done now. Get all the ends and stuff done. Or always backlog RPGs, platformers and stuff. Because there's a couple of like uh, non-HD games I want to get around to playing. Because I've got some on my shelf. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right, um, on to my final topic for today. As I mentioned at the start, I am talking about what games I'd like to see localised in terms of visual novels, because I chose this topic because Broccoli announced Jack Gian in English properly, and I felt it was important to kind of highlight games I want to see from devs that have a Western presence in terms of VNs and VN devs that don't. And I've tried to pick a mixture, like Otome... Uh, Busojo as well and also games that have been fan translated and games that haven't so I've tried to pick a mix of also ones games that are likely to happen and games that aren't if that makes sense so I will get started there's like 10 and then there's a 11 and 12 which are kind of technical but I'll get on to those so the first one is uh, broccoli related actually it's uh, Utano Prince Summer it's the Idol Otome Sim a lot of people know what it is because they've got the anime and then they've got Shining Live on mobiles and other stuff which uh, I don't follow because I don't really care for VN non-VN stuff if it's not VNs because I play VNs so I don't care for the anime stuff even though it's important to kind of have that to broaden the appeal and make it more accessible to experience the story but 
that's beside the point. Uh, this game you play is, and then this is um, there's loads of games, but the one that should come first is Uton the Prince Sam Repeat Love. This is on the original on the PSP, and then came to the Vita, and on the Switch as well. If it came west, it'd be for Switch. Uh, this was you play as Nanami Haruka, a composer who got into Saratomi Academy and basically defined a boy, shaped into an idol, get a record deal assigned. There's music gameplay, it looks really cute, it's quite lighthearted, and apparently it's really good for Japanese. Like, I actually have a copy of this on the Vita in Japanese, and I'll play it to practice Japanese when I've got enough knowledge, which um, will be common for basically almost all these games, like... If I do, like, know enough Japanese, eventually I will get around to playing them, because some of them will not get localised. Or play fan translations, depending which one comes out first, and what's better quality. But, you know, I should have probably done that stuff at the start beginning, but it doesn't fucking matter now. Um, next one is uh, Clock Zero. Uh, Shu no Ichibu EX Time Devote. That's the Switch version. Because, yeah, this game is quite old. It came out in 2010 for the... Get this. The PlayStation 2! Yes, in the West, where we got FIFA and similar crap, Japan was still getting VNs. And even Prototype released a VN in like 2010. I mean, even Buddy Broccoli released uh, PSP games in 2016, so Japan loved their old consoles, because they don't move on as quickly. So that's why you get loads of like PSP games coming out late in life that they didn't, get, didn't come to the West, same with the PS2, but I mean, they're releasing PS2 RPGs in 2010 in Japan as well, but that's beside the point. But yeah, it's ported several times, so... PS2, uh, PSP, Vita, and Switch. And a lot of people like this game. It's really requested. It's Otomate, so I'd hope it actually will come over someday. But if not, I heard this one's also pretty alright for Japanese if you're learning it, but not straight away. Uh, this one's got a kind of an interesting setup because your protagonist is Karu Nadechiko. She's actually 12 years old, but there's two kind of sides to the game. So in the daytime, she goes to a school with wealthy people, but at night she dreams about being in a ruined version of the world, and she's 10 years older, and her classmates are there. And it's like a transfer student named uh, Kaido Takato comes to class, and she gets involved in an after-school extra club, which they call Clock Zero. There's elements of science fiction, there's some tears to be shed, basically. Kind of thing that I think would probably resonate quite well in the West if it ever came over. Uh, the Switch version has got like, the most definitive experience, it's got new content. And I want to see it basically. It looks really cute, and it looks like something that because I think with Otomata, a lot of their classic games have fan discs, and a lot of these fan discs don't come over, like with Amnesia and Nord Nine, uh, Code Realize, Colorex Malice, and PF4A are the exceptions basically. But like maybe Kiwi Parasite as well, because there's been a fan disc announced for that, which could come over, but I'm not getting my hopes up because well, it's a fan disc for an Otome game. But that's um, to kind of keep my hopes up and. All this content on one cart, it'd be incredible. Put it on Steam, it'd be great. Uh, White Apple 2. Um, I've already talked about this one, but basically, Love Triangle, Act Plus is a most critically acclaimed visual novel that isn't Utah Armino. Um, very sad, very tragic, very cute and heartwarming at times as well. Fantastic characters, fantastic character development. Uh, I'm hoping to talk about this more in its own video, like I mentioned at the very start, where I actually go over this and why I like it in more detail. There is a fan translation for this. It is R18 only, because it's based on the PC version, which is 18+, plus, so that at the time of recording, there's no all-ages patch to play, unfortunately, which um, is unfortunate. But I think if this does come to the West, it will be all-ages on Steam, maybe on Switch as well, if Aquaplus ever decide to support the Switch properly. But, you know, that's, um, I'll talk about that more in its own video. But the next two will be Aqua Plus as well. So this one's uh, Two Heart 2. So this is um, one of Aqua Plus's most iconic titles. Like, if you ask a Japanese person who plays visual novels, one of the games they'll say when they think of Aqua Plus will be Two Heart 2. It's light-hearted Moege, basically. Called Galge as well. Like, that kind of thing. Fluff. Cute romantic it's i'd only want this one mainly because of how iconic it is like it'd be like asking for um oh god what's the name like um other like similar games from other developers where they're known even if they're not particularly good like tokimeki moral as well that's one but people want to see but won't happen because fuck konami so this story of this one is um following her graduation from middle school 
Konami Yuzuhara enters the same high school as, um, no. The story goes as, following her graduation from middle school, Konami Yuzuhara enters the same high school as Takaki Kono, her childhood friend. As the new school year begins, they meet their childhood friend Tamaki Kosaka, as well as many new acquaintances. Unbeknownst to the group, their encounters with each other will soon lead to many memorable adventures. So, um, it's that kind of thing. It's the kind of thing that Nekunian, which is a company that mainly does Bushojo games, including Uwege, would probably do, but... I only want it again because of its iconic history. If it does get localised, I think the PS3 version will come over because that's the definitive version because it's got extra content and um, is actually appropriate to play a game like this for. I don't care what weeb say, you can fuck off if you're obsessed with porn and visual novels. And also there's a fan disc as well, which um, uh, I don't want to interest in because it's a fan disc and it's based on other characters, which uh, is set after it if you don't get anyone, which is a whole different thing. There is a fan patch for it, it's quite a complex game to translate with root structures and stuff like that, and this patch is for in a, the X-rated version, which um, for reasons that I hope is obvious by the name X-rated and the fact this is a, a, a gal gay, I hope it's obvious why I don't want to touch that. Like I want to play the game, but I'm not that desperate I'll play a fan translation of it. I'll just play the PS3 version when my Japanese is good enough if it doesn't come over because that's like, it's cheap, it's affordable, and it's accessible. So, good enough for me. Uh, kind of a similar deal with Tears to Tiara. Uh, that got remade original PC and then was remade for the, the, the PS3 and then ported to the PSP. That's got superior story, superior gameplay. That's the version to get, that's the version to play. But that's what I want to get. Not touching PC fan translation, because that exists as well, but I'm not touching it. And it'd be nice to have that piece of history as well, because that is kind of another iconic game in Aquaplus's library. And we got the sequel as well. Like, Atlas released the sequel, Era of the Overlord, on PS3 years ago. So it'd be cool to see the, the first game get released here as well. There is an anime adaptation of it as well, which from what I hear is pretty good. So that exists, so at least we got it in some form, but the vision will be nice too. And yeah, also... um. I've got lots more now which are starting to lean more into unrealistic to probably not going to happen, with a few exceptions. Um, first up, um, Kenkabancho Otome. This is a Spike Chunt Software Otome, and if you're in the Otome game community, you will know exactly what the history was of this one. But I'm going to bring people up to speed, because a lot of people uh, won't know. So, this is a spin-off of the Kenkabancho Otome series. Like... Only one of those got released in the West on PSP, and it was a brawler uh, released by Atlas, so it's a completely different genre. And kind of like Jack Gian, it's basically playing as a woman, pretending to be a boy, to get into an all-boys high school, and her identical twin brother requested it, so... Yeah, there she is playing the role of uh, the game. Like We got the manga as well, like, the manga came over, under the name King of Bachelor Tome Girls Beats Boys, and as a result of King of Bachelor Tome, I ended up getting... A fan disc and a second Rumble game, uh, all for the Vita in Japan, all exclusive. So the story with this one is when Spike Chunsoft first started self-publishing in the West. They did a Twitter poll, and they chose four games and were like, "Hey, what would you like to see in the West? Is either for the West or on Steam, but it doesn't matter. Still an English release because you're not putting something on Steam unless you're releasing it in the West, or you don't care about the West." And they chose. 4 to 8 should be a scramble, which um, we did get, by the way. Sharon the Wanderer, which um, we also got Sharon the Wanderer 5 on the Switch and PC. Way of the Samurai, and we later got like that game, Katana Kami, other stuff. And Kenka Batotome. And what happened in the end was Kenka Batotome won the poll. And so it put Spike Chunsoft in quite an awkward situation where they, they said we, localize, we might localise games that won the poll. And in this position of having this niche game compared to all the rest it was quite niche winning a poll and then people asking if they've won the poll aren't you going to localize it and then they just refused to comment they were like i can't tell you i'm sorry they were like former pr staff i think one of them ariane used to work at idea factory at the, when she was at spike and then moved to sega and was in this awkward position at con where people were asking about it and they just she couldn't she couldn't answer because it broken it would break her NDA to do so. It's it's standard. And they were all because you don't want to piss off people like it boss in a capitalist hellscape. 
but it put her in a position where Spike Chunsoft were, were hoping it would go away and people would stop asking. But yeah, the PR staff would have to kind of fend these questions off. And it's not a, it's not an enviable position, to put it nicely. Um, I believe what happened behind the scenes is that it was basically, when you start opening a localization subsidiary, you do tend to go through growing pains. And I think this was one of Spike Chunsoft's most um, public growing pains, where basically, I think the poll was intended as part of 428's marketing plan. Like, all along, they wanted to localize 428, and that was what it was most likely the intention of the poll, to kind of hype people up for 428. And they didn't actually expect King Caban to return me to win. And then when it won, it caught them off guard. That's what I think happened. Especially in the, like, when interviews they were asked, when they were asked about it, it was like, oh, we think it's quite niche. And after Kenka Bancho 3, the PSP game I mentioned earlier, bombed in the West, we decided let's not release those games anymore. So in other words, they're comparing apples to oranges, but yet you still put it in a Twitter poll. And now people are asking for it, you're going, oh, maybe not. And it's like, I get the reluctance to localize Oterme, which is a recurring theme with Japanese Oterme companies, by the way. But it's still not a good look to even put the possibility forward if you're not actually going to seriously go through with it in the first place. And they've never directly been honest about what happened. Like, it's basically... This happened in, like, 2016 with, like, 2017-18 when people were asking questions. And then, at this point, the Vida's dead. People have, I'd say, moved on, but still kind of hold that grudge, if that makes sense. Like, if you're an Otemi fan, you will... At the time, you will remember. I remember I was a bit pissed at it as well because, like, it's fine if you don't want to localise it. It's fine if you can't localise it, especially things like licensing issues that can make things really difficult to bring over. But if they still fucked up, it's still, like... You still cause a needless bridge burning and annoyance, basically. And it's just... It could have been completely avoided, and they needed to learn from that experience. And to their credit, I believe they have, because since then, they have not done anything like that. They've generally been like, we'll only announce things which we're going to bring over, and picking up stuff, which is a good thing. And honestly, I'd prefer it that way. I'd still hope they go back to release it in English someday, because that would be really cool. But it would need to be ported to um, Switch first, or even PS4, PS5, so someone can actually pick it up. Or at least license it to someone else. The game deserved better, basically. Uh, Fate Stay Night's the next one. That's an um, iconic VN that most people know exists because of the Fate IP, which is, well, probably one of the most noteworthy VNs to never get an official English release, despite its popularity. Um, features action battle scenes. Um, as, like, extensively been fan translated, um, was translated ages ago and then we refined in 2019. Even it's been patched on the Vita as well. Uh, I'll probably end up playing that if it doesn't come west, which I don't think it will at this point. Like, at one point, uh, Manga Gamer did a uh, localization poll request for the um, every year's part of their licensing survey, and Fate Stay Night always used to always top the charts and then in the last couple of years it's just dropped completely because people have basically given up which is a shame because it would still do well if it came out here um, next one uh, Nilabi Rari no Tembin or like Libra of Nilabi Rari uh, basically Otomate again like two VNs are historical but also very plot heavy and quite long so it's like one of those deep immersive like plots which uh, sounds really cool um, set like an extended version of the Toshi era, so like, in a story like a girl after, resolves to marry a man she doesn't even know the name of, and then after an incident involving her younger brother, I'm not mentioning it here to avoid being triggering, uh, she finds him holding an old book, and appearing before the young girl was the Imperial Library Intelligence Asset Management Bureau, and more commonly referred to as a Fukuro, and then since the incident, uh, she gains the ability to see auras and kind of like the uh, sentiments of like Marimono, which are like books which affects its readers. And she can see these bright light manifestations of this and get to go through all that and deal with lots of drama and intrigue and stuff, which uh, sounds really cool. 
Um, this did actually get a Chinese release, or at least the first game did, because Game Source Entertainment, the same company I mentioned earlier, did release it in Chinese. So hopefully that means it might come to the West eventually as well, because it looks really cool. So the next one is the uh, LDR Remasters. Uh, this is by a company called uh, LDR, or that's probably a brand name for Red Flagship. And they've been remastering old VNs from the 1990s. Over the last like five or so years, as well as like continuing the Eve Burst Era series, which um, Eve Burst Era is quite a classic game as well. That actually did get a PC release a long time ago, but that was like uh, over ten years ago, and it was by Manga Gamer, and the translation back then apparently were quite shit from them. So uh, not much substance playing it, and it has got remastered with the old VNs getting their CGs digitally remastered music revamped and stuff like that and bring them to modern platforms looks really cool and there's a few of them so there's not just Eve Burst Era also Desire and uh, Dokoku Soshi Chair which um, is the one I'm most interested in like this is basically a murder mystery game and the uh, protagonist and classmates are originally on the school bus and then a car crash happens and they wake up trapped in a mansion where well people are being murdered and it's estranged and bizarre there are gameplay segments in this one. It includes uh, going around rooms and solving puzzles, which I think could be quite appealing for uh, Zero Escape fans, potentially. Um, this was like a remaster like a few years ago, like 2018. It was a very late Vita release as well as PS4, and it is on Switch now. So it might come over, it might not. I'm probably going to just play the Japanese version if it doesn't come over, which... Um, Seeing as none of these LDA releases have come over, it's like I hope they do, but I'm not I'm not optimistic about it. But I hope that it does happen one day. Right, these are the last two of the um, titles that aren't technicalities, and they're both Otome. Um, first one is from a company called Takayo, which is actually their most recent Switch port that's coming out in July, and it's called Shinigami to Sojo. Uh, like something like the Death Reaper and the Girl, something like that, and um, basically like she Shitono Sayu is a beautiful girl with her older brother, and her brother tells her about this story Shinigami to Sojo. He explains it'll be about a lonely Shinigami and a girl, and they search for the most beautiful word that exists, and then she basically meets this person, and ends up giving him the name Ao or Blue, after how similar his eyes are to the color of the sky. So it looks really cute. It's more serious and a bit darker, but I think in terms of games from that particular company, I think that's probably the most realistic recent title to pick up because uh, other games like the one where they have the characters transform into frogs, which also looks really cool and weird, it's just not going to get picked up, I don't think, because it's really light-hearted, but it looks cool. But I think this one's the one that interests me the most, so um, yeah, let's uh, fingers crossed. And then this last one is uh, Angelique Retour. This is a um, this one will need porting because this is a remake of the very first Otome game ever developed by Ruby Party, which is a subsidiary of Koei Tecmo. And they have actually shown interest in releasing their games in the West, but nothing's come of it yet. And this was like a couple years ago. So as far as it's been publicly known, it's still a back-end discussion, but nothing's come of it, if that makes sense. Um, this game's plot is basically the protagonist has been chosen as one of the queen candidates. T together with her rival, they take the examination, and then, supported by the guardians who serve the queen, she works to complete the exam. Will love bloom along the way. It's high fantasy, really cute, really cartoony. And probably, I think this has a little bit of gameplay as well. Like some of Rupert's games tend to be more like gameplay oriented, with some actual gameplay segments. If that makes sense. Not as complicated as Utawari Mono, but it's there. But yeah, um, I'd like to see Ruby Party in the West. This remake was also a late PSP release, so as well for the Vita. So it would need to be ported, as I mentioned earlier. But you never know. And then finally, the technicality, which I'll talk about here, is um, Higarashi and Umineko's console ports. So these are technically already actually localised on PC, but they're based on the Dojin versions, which are, in terms of content, quite inferior because, well, it's Dojin, and the console versions have, like, vastly improved graphics, vastly improved music, 
more actual exclusive content like exclusive arcs, gameplay refinements like Umineko has more story content, Igarashi has choices, and more, like much, much more, and they do actually have fan translations in the works for the Switch versions at this point. And they are available, you can get them, not complete, obviously, but they're out there. And it's interesting because I really feel official localization should really have happened, but the volume of text has meant no publishers were actually interested in Higarashi. And this was confirmed by Seventh Expansion themselves when someone did a, a change.org petition, which they actually responded to. And they said that every publisher they reached out to has said no because of the volume of text. So basically, it's too it's too big to be localized. Basically, that's that's how it is. And as for Umineko, um, this is the gold version of a game, or what I think is a gold version, because it's an expanded version with new content. And this is most likely what was originally announced to be part of Umineko Gold, which um, that was really announced back in 2019, or maybe 2019, 2018. It was like a while back by Catbox Creative that they were going to release this updated version in collaboration with Manga Gamer, Zenth Expansion, Witch Hunt, etc. And like the day before that was due to go live and like I was going to do a Kickstarter for like voice acting with English voice actors. Um, the person that was heading the project up uh, had a health emergency, so unfortunately had to be delayed, which is understandable because human lives tops the feelings of people upset that a Kickstarter for a video game is delayed. And, it is, and then it seemed like it just kept being plagued by bad luck. And unfortunately, it went quiet since then. It was basically like, we can't talk about the project because it might jeopardize relationship with Japanese creators, which is understandable. And then last year, in 2021, the so YouTube videos for it on one of the partners, which I, th- I think I mentioned him earlier, Sound Cadence Studios, I think they're doing, they were doing the voice acting. They got taken down. And people were like, does this mean the project's dead? And they were like, oh, we can't talk about the project, but we don't have control over this YouTube channel. But let's be honest, the project is probably dead at this point. If you've got no updates after so long, then it's easy to conclude that the project is dead. And that's basically why the best option to play you in Echo Gold is to play the fan translation now, which um, kind of sucks. Because, like, it's a shame that what happened, but... That's, that's why it's like a technicality because you can still play versions of Higurashi and Umineko officially but they are just missing content and it's like I want to actually play the versions that have the most complete and definitive experience and I'll probably end up playing the patches for these because I don't think uh, Higurashi and Umineko will be uh, import friendly for a Japanese learner with not much language skills in comparison to how complex the metas are but you know it's just one of those things Anyway, I'm going to finish the episode here. Thank you so much for watching, listening, liking, commenting, subscribing, boosting algorithm in many, many possible ways that you can on your platforms of choice. And stay tuned to some episodes of the Miller's Gaming Podcast, episode 15. Next time, thank you very much for watching. Bye-bye.